Hello again, everyone. Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and you've checked into I Want to Be A, where we fill in the blank every episode, bringing in a professional to talk about what it takes to succeed in a particular industry or field. This is actually part two of I Want to Be an Astronaut, and our expert guest is Rick Hauk, who is himself a former NASA astronaut, having logged 436 hours in space during his career. In the second part of our conversation here, we talk about what the mood was like around NASA after the Challenger accident occurred, and also, are civilians going to be traveling and even living in space? We'll touch on those things here in part two. Now, you, you mentioned the, the Columbia side of things. Uh, if I recall correctly, you were also on the first mission after the, uh, after the Challenger accident occurred. Um, I'm sure most people know what that is uh, when the astronauts on that uh, shuttle lost their lives. And then, um, you know, you were one of the people on the first missions after that. Was that more nerve-wracking? Were there a lot of concerns? Um, what were, I mean, you were obviously around when uh, it happened with the Challenger. I guess right. what, what were sort of the emotions that have that went right. through both from from when that first happened to the point where hey, you know, you're going in space and and you know, good luck essentially. Yeah, well, as it turned out, that was uh, late January 1986, and I was scheduled to be the commander of the next flight of Challenger, which okay. was going to be in April of '86, and so. Uh, we were focused on that and were just uh, heartbroken when we saw Challenger come apart and lost seven good friends. And, of course, we thought uh, not only are they gone, their families have been left without uh, their loved ones. And will this be the end of the NASA space program? Will this be the end of my career? Hmm. So a lot of... A lot of uh, angst, of course, mostly for the families. But uh, we got ourselves uh, back together and studied all of the shuttle systems and looked at even those beyond the ones that failed, because if we missed some failure mode there, then we might have missed another failure mode somewhere else. I was fortunate enough to be asked to command the next flight. Uh, which I loved. Everybody in the office would have loved to have been on that flight. So you have the mixture of anxiety of knowing that your friends were killed on the last mission, but at the same time having confidence that NASA and the contractors had done everything to make this maybe the safest mission ever. So uh, I told my family that would be the safest mission ever, and uh, I didn't I didn't tell them that I was going to guarantee that I'd make it home, but mm-hmm. I didn't need to say that. Sure. You know, obviously, Rick, this has been just tremendous to hear your stories, your experience. Uh, we're going to pull it back a little bit now to talk a little bit for the listeners, you know, sort of what your thoughts are and what it takes to succeed in this area. Uh, you know, and uh, this could apply to different aspects of, of careers and life as well. But when you're looking at what an astronaut needs to be like, uh, skills, personality, that sort of thing, what, what do you really point to as being the essentials to be able to succeed? Great question. Um Number one, clearly you've got to have a background in some kind of technical or scientific endeavor. We're talking about complex machines and complex systems. So from the piloting standpoint, that's why NASA required someone with at least 1,000 hours in high-performance jets and desirable to have an advanced degree and desirable to be graduate of either Navy or Air Force test pilot Mm -hmm. school. 
Now, from the academic standpoint, if you're not a pilot, um, a bachelor's degree from an accredited institution in engineering, biological science, physical science, or mathematics. And I'm reading from the NASA website. As a matter of fact, quality of academic preparation is important, followed by three years of related, progressively responsible professional experience. In other words, do what you're doing. Find something that you enjoy working on and do it well. Do it better than anybody else if you can. An advanced degree is desirable, may be substituted for experience. Master's degree equals one year of experience. Doctoral degree equals three years of experience. And it's interesting, they also say that teaching experience, including experience at K-12, is considered qualifying. Really? <laughs> so uh, educators are encouraged to apply. Well, I did teach for two years, so maybe I'm well, on my way you here. Yep. <laughs> you just, you're competing against thousands of other people oh, and sure. so you want to optimize uh, what your attractiveness to NASA would be and one of them is being a team player working well in groups as a leader or a follower in groups and interestingly uh, extracurricular activities like playing a musical instrument or playing a sport are considered very positive not because they're going to want you to be playing a bassoon up in space, but because it shows that you have uh, multifaceted talents and analytical talents that go beyond the traditional. I think that's interesting to hear because we, we hear about those things for, you know, your sort of traditional jobs, whether it be in an office or business, um, just that multifaceted aspect. So there you go. Even even if you're going to be an astronaut, all that, all that stuff still applies that we talk about all the time. You know, we're starting to get a little low on time. Uh, there are a couple other things we wanted to obviously get to. Um, one of the questions that, that came up, too, as far as uh, some of the challenges maybe that come about as an astronaut, whether it be on the physical side, the mental side, I mean, are there, are there unique strains and stresses that, that you would at least mention in terms of people uh, if they're looking to get into this as a, as a career? Well, um, you've got to be willing to take risks. Uh, adventure implies risks. Exploration implies risks. So you've got to uh, be willing to do that physical risks. Uh, with that in mind, I guess, we talk, we hear things about, you know, with technology that, uh, you know, at some point we're all going to be able to go to space. We're going to have life, you know, we're going we're gonna to have civilizations on Mars and that sort of thing. I mean, do you see that as being a, a consistent possibility with commercial flights into space or, or, or going to different planets or the moon? I mean, do you see that as honestly being feasible in the near future, maybe way down the road? What sort of, based on your experience, your knowledge, who you've talked with, I mean, what, what's sort of your take with that? Well, I definitely think that that's in the future, whether it's during my lifetime or not, uh, who's to say. But there are commercial entities uh, that are providing launch services to NASA now at the current time that just involves flying cargo to the space shuttle, to, sorry, to the space station. Mm -hmm. But uh, they are certainly attempting to become qualified to fly humans, astronauts, to and from space station on a less grand scale, you have efforts like uh, like uh, Virgin Galactic that is uh, offering to take people on a parabolic arc up above 60 miles, not into orbit, but up above 60 miles, which okay. was the historic definition of astronaut and back. Uh, that's certainly a short-term adventure. 
there is certainly talk of going back to the moon and uh, maybe sending humans off to Mars. As a matter of fact, uh, NASA just selected eight new astronauts a couple of months ago, and it may be that one of those people, four men, four women, could be the first person to return to the moon, and maybe if things heated up, the first human on Mars. Hmm. Interesting. Now, for yourself, obviously, I would think it's hard to have regrets, so to speak. But is there anything that you wish you could have done when you were when you were still working with NASA and, and as an astronaut? Sure, I would have loved to have taken a spacewalk, but um, I was commander of two of those three flights, and the the commander doesn't spacewalk, so okay. I had to watch two of my guys go out. Oh retrieve those two satellites, so that would have been nice. Sure. Say, let me mention uh, a website that would be very helpful to your listeners, Uh, and they can get many of these questions answered by just going to astronauts.nasa.gov. Okay. Astronauts.nasa.gov, and it's packed with information. Great. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, I guess as we look to wrap up a little bit here, what would you point out as being your most memorable moment, something that stands out the most from your career and and something that you obviously will never forget? I'm sure there are a lot to pick from, but is there one thing that really just stands out in your mind? On my second flight, uh, the first one that I was commander, we had these two satellites to bring back to Earth that had never been done before. Before we launched, we predicted that we'd might be able to get one of the two satellites back, and it would be astounding if we got both of them back. Mm-hmm. And uh, turned out we did have some real difficulties with the first one that made it a very complicated task, but we did it. And two days later, we put the second one in the cargo bay, and uh, that was absolutely the highlight of my career. And um pleased to say that folks down on the ground uh, felt the same way. Cool. That's awesome. As we finish up, you know, we talked about a number of different things. We obviously were sort of uh, just being drawn into your stories and in what it was like to be in space. But if you were in the shoes of somebody who was looking to get in, you know, to this profession, whether it be the path you took or some other uh, path to becoming an astronaut, I guess what would be your, your biggest piece of advice, your, your takeaway, so to speak, to, to help the listeners a little bit? Sure. Uh, I would find a technical field that you enjoy and do the best that you can in pursuing your knowledge and experience in that field. Because NASA's not, NASA's not trying to get person that can design airplanes or person that can design rockets. They're trying to hire as astronauts people who are obviously intelligent, who can absorb information quickly, who can be analytical, who can be uh, apply their knowledge to different environments, different circumstances. So it's just important to find something you enjoy and work hard at it because what you enjoy is what you'll do the best at. Well, Rick, it definitely was a treat to have you on uh, today. Obviously, one of the few people that can say they're an astronaut, been in space, uh, seen some of the things you did. I think it's uh, it's just awesome. Definitely one of those fantasy-type jobs that people have talked about in the past. Really appreciate you joining us, bringing us that knowledge and experience. Uh, uh, thanks again for coming on to the show today. Tim, it's been a great pleasure. 
Once again, that's our expert guest for I Want to Be an Astronaut. His name is Rick Hauk, and he's a former NASA astronaut as well as a captain in the Navy and someone who knows exactly what it takes to succeed in such an exclusive position. That will wrap things up here on I Want to Be a part of LJN Radio. If you have any comments or questions regarding any of our podcasts, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.